Okay, Boker Tov, good morning. I want to thank Lazy Bean for uh, sponsoring this year. Hatzlacha. I also want to thank Idana and Lloyd Dusatnik, commemorating the yard site of Lloyd's father, Benjamin Bendov Halevi. Thank you very much. Bernard Dusatnik, Renee and Howie Blumenfeld, Tammy Bennett Schachter. It's okay, I mentioned them as well. Commemorating the yard site of Howie and Tammy's father, Abram Yosef, and Yisrael Shalom. Alvin Blumenfeld, when's the yard site down? Friday. Oh, this Friday's. Uh, Yaniv's not bringing coffee, but you could eat at the Bris, so there won't be boot camp, for, unfortunately. This week's learning is sponsored by Lyndon Zalman Indig, commemorating the Arsai of Lyndon's father, Aaron Ben Shimon Cohen. Okay, we're going to uh, wrap up today, even though we never really wrap it up, this uh, topic of Shema and war. A lot of people have been asking me questions about Hagomel. You just reminded me, Israel, because of the last uh, Parakatahilim. There's something in there about Hagomel. So I don't know if I have today. Warren, you're the institutional memory. Did I ever give Shiram here on uh, Berkos HaGomel? Okay, well, maybe we'll come to it. There's, a, uh, there's an article, I just copied it from the newspaper. I don't think I had this last week because it just happened. I mentioned it last night very briefly when I was uh, put on the spot to speak at the Tehillim. There's a woman in Israel who is uh, many taken captive. This woman, her name is Maya. I'm sure you read the story. Her last name is uh, Shem, Shem. Someone even asked her, what's her name? You know, Shem, just like Shem in the Torah. Her name is Shem. And she was interviewed. You know, she's been very outspoken about what happened to her and to her brother and friends, what's still going on when uh, taken as a, uh, what do you, I guess you say a woman's a chatufa, right, as a, as a captive. And chatuf is a good term because it's, you, you grabbed away, basically. So she talks about what happened on October 7th. And this was not a uh, religious woman. I mean, she is religious inside, like so many in Israel, all Jews. You know, she, I think she's a tattoo expert. That's how she received her uh, infamy. And she even had a special tattoo uh, of October 7th. Again, she doesn't know the difference tattoos allowed of the Torah against the Torah. But you see the ruchnias, the spirituality. So for 33 minutes, she talks I'm sure it's not even uh, nearly close to what actually happened to her. I mean, she gives you a little bit of a version, and she talks about why she's talking. In the conversation, just casually, this is why I'm saying this today, because it relates to something from last week. It's not like she uh, was preparing to devour Torah. You know, her parents said, before you speak for 33 minutes, and you can find the transcript in Hebrew. It's, it's pretty simple Hebrew, actually. And uh, they have it, what are they, when they write on the bottom, the English, you should, I really encourage you to see it, 33 minutes. You know, not just to see horror, but to inspire, to be inspired and to dive in and uh, just to imagine the, these behemoths, these animals. They, Israel killed an animal yesterday, you know, the world protests, but uh, hopefully he's going further and further down as we're going further and further up. He'll meet all his, those things they promised him down in Gehenna. Mitz Hashem, we should hear more good news. So the question is, uh, so she's just naturally talking about her experience. And I gave you over here, this is more or less a summary of the first part of her talk. When the rocket fire started, this is on October 7th, she and her friend started to drive away, but her car was fired on and set alight. One terrorist shot her in the hand at close range, and she surrendered, getting out of the car. And they did a lot worse. 
And she, I shouted, I don't have a hand, I don't have a hand. I said, Shema Yisrael, I don't want to die. I mean, she was not preparing to devour Torah. That's just natural. That's part, that's her neshama. You just say Shema Yisrael. Not because uh, she read in the book, you have to say Shema Yisrael, but it's just a, a natural reaction. So the Gemara says in Masechus Brachos, I mentioned this last time, that Rabbi Akiva, when he was uh, being led to kill, the way we being led to die, we, we tell the story often, he said uh, Kriya Shema. Now, if you look at the Gemara very carefully, it's not like he said Kriya Shema because he knew he was going to die. It was the Zman of Kriya Shema. It was the time of Kriya Shema. And there's a piece over here, there's a Rav in Eretz he's very uh, thoughtful. If anyone's ever in Modi'in, in the Bukhman section, and you have jet lag, he gives the Ashkamashir every Shabbos, I think on Baba Basra, at least for the last 10 years. His name is Rabbi Chaim Navon. You heard of him? God, Chaim Navon. It's a big time of Hilchim. He writes every Friday in uh, Mikari Shon. Very, very nice column he writes. Sam, if you need a copy, Sam will uh, copy it and translate it and have it in your mailbox. So Chaim Navon says the greatness of Rabbi Akiva was that this was just natural what came to him. Not necessarily when he was being killed, but even while he was being killed, he got to experience his normal way of acting, which is halacha. You know, most of us, you'd panic or something. Not that Rabbi Akiva wasn't distressed. So I wanted to point out that Shema has many different aspects to it. We saw last week, right, that father with the chayal. We saw the question that people ask is, what kind of cold fish is Yaakov Avinu? He hasn't seen his kid in all these years, and he's uh, hugging him saying Kriya Shema. The kid's respecting his father, Yosef, keep it up, aim. It sounds like the coldest thing. But along these lines, if you look at the Gur Aryeh, and you'll see what I'm trying to accomplish, is that the Shema, it's not that Chazal said, okay, if something bad happens to uh, happen to you, pull out the Shema. Shema is a lot deeper than that. It is true. We know in the Shoah, many people said Shema going to their deaths, and hopefully uh, some people survive saying Shema. But it's just so part of our DNA that it pops up at different times. But most significantly, and this is what I'm going to try to show you when we get to the Rambam, every time we say Shema, even when it's formally uh, mandated and institutionalized, we're supposed to have in mind not just the unity of Hashem, but there's supposed to be a certain connection to Jewish history, as uh, we pointed out and we'll point out again. And there's certain kavanos. The kavanos are not just mystical kavanos that I'm connecting to Hashem, but it's something about this is part of who I am as a Jew. Part of who I am as a Jew is whether it's an emergency situation, whether, whether it's a so-called normative situation, we do have this connection. And specifically, a connection that needs to either be directed in a certain way, as we're about to see from the Gurariye, or sometimes it's even a reinforcement of certain doubts that may slip into our head. And every time we say Baruch Shein Kavah Machzali and Shema, because it doesn't say in the Torah Baruch Shein Kavah Machzali you know, a Bar Mitzvah boy once said that. He was laying Pashas Veschanan, and he said Baruch Shein Kavah Machzali So you knew that Bar Mitzvah boy memorized the whole parsha. It's happened before. I had a Bar Mitzvah kid the night before the uh, Bar Mitzvah. He, he called me. He didn't even tell his mother. That's the relationship I had. I had to tell his mother. He said, Rabbi, you know, I didn't think this day would ever come. I don't know how to lane. I've always looked, when I practiced with the Bar Mitzvah teacher, I always looked at the, the part with the Nakudos, and now it's a, it's a big day. He, well, he thought I would go right to Nakudos into the Sefer Torah. So we came up with a little strategy. 
And we sang Malzatov after Rishon, which, by the way, was just as good as everybody else. Okay, so there's a lot of things that are not in the Torah that we think are in the Torah. So the Guru Aryeh says, look at this. This is on the second side. This is the Maharami Prague. The Maharami Prague, uh, you know, people get a little intimidated when we read the Maharami Prague. He explains things very rationally. Obviously, it's deep machshava, but he wrote a parish on Rashi. It's a very basic parish on Rashi, but it's very long. And this is what he says. You know, it sounds like we're about to get into a halachic uh, discussion. Is it, is it not? You know, Baruch Hashem, that uh, woman from Harvard, she was fired for her Talmudic analysis. doesn't really work when they ask you, you know, genocide. So this sounds like, you know, Lahavdil, the Gemara is going to, the Goryari is going to get into this analytical discussion. And if you look at the Grizz, you wouldn't be surprised. That's actually what the Grizz does, has a fascinating discussion in Halacha. But this is not what the Goryari says. And we're going to bring this home. Just like the Rebbe Akiva story, right? It was the time of Kriyashma. According to uh, the Yafei Tawars, one of the Mepharshim on the Medrash, Hashem was not the first one to say Shema Yisrael. It's very interesting. We have this a couple of times with Berchus Khanim as well. Because the question is, how did Yaakov and Yosef and the sons, because we have the Rambam that the sons all said, said uh, Shema Yisrael. Remember, that's the Medrash from this past week's parsha. Yaakov said, yeah, I have all these kids. It's obvious that one of them has got to be off, you know, not following the Jewish path. Maybe 11 are off. First of all, we're in Mitzrayim. Second of all, look what happened to my uh, father's family. Look what happened to my grandfather's family. And, you know, that's very often, that is pretty normative. Not every single person is going to necessarily follow in the ways of a parent. It's not always the parent's issue. You know, it's the kid's issue. It's their bechira. It's the rural. So the family responds. That's the Rambam we're about to see. Shema Yisrael, Shem Al-Kan Hashem Echad. Now, where did the kids all learn that? They went to... What, what, what elementary school did they go to? I mean, what an amazing school. They learned things that weren't even said yet. Because here we're in Pashas Vayigash, Vayichi, it's not said till Pashas Vayichanim. So the easy answer is, oh, they already knew everything in the Torah. By the time they were born, they already went to the Sia Mashas, they knew everything. Okay, that is one approach. But the beautiful approach the Yafei Tawar says, and he has proofs to it, or, or pretty solid uh, evidence for it, is some of the tefillos that Hashem used he actually, Lahavdil, copied what human beings did. And if you know the story behind it, it makes it more inspirational. So he heard the sons say Shema Yisrael, or he heard Yaakov even earlier say Shema Yisrael, and Hashem said, wow, this is such an inspiring story, I'm going to make every Jew say this twice a day. And then, as the Rambam says, because it's a little bit late, we may not get to it, that's what the Rambam says, every time we say Shema Yisrael, we're actually supposed to think back to these stories. It's not a separate book. Like, there's the story book, there's the Agatha, and then there's the Halacha. The Rambam brings us down to the Halacha. So the Guru Aryeh says, so what happened to Yosef? So, okay, it's very nice. Yosef had to do the mitzvah of Kibbut Avain. But he explained still, it's very cold. You know, Zman Kriyashema, we know a very Machbid, one exact moment. Yaakov could have said it a couple of minutes earlier. He's about to see his kid. And then he pauses. Shema, you haven't seen your kid in 20 years. And you say to the kid, listen, I got to go daven mincha. Now it's true, you have to daven mincha. But you should have daven mincha maybe a few minutes earlier. I mean, Yaakov could have had as many minyanums in Teaneck, New Jersey. You know, he, they had a minion of boys, uh, of men over there. So he's waiting for that moment. 
So the Guriari says, not a coincidence. It happened to me, Zman Kriyashima, but he was <coughs> waiting. And he, he says, I'm going to do it when I'm with my kid, because I'm going to have an opportunity to then redirect. The greatest emotion in the world, again, it's a very high standard, but it's, a, it's actually a chiyah. We're supposed to love Hashem. How do you love Hashem? So it's hard to love Hashem if you don't love human beings. That's naturally true. But there's a strategy. It's not Kabbalistic. It's rational. You take your love and you redirect it sometimes. So I have a love for a wife, a love for a kid, a love for a parent. You take someone out of motion and you redirect it to the Rebona Shalala. And then it's a win-win because you're a person that inspired me enough to have a closer connection to Hashem. That's what the Guriari says. And it's something for us to think about when we say Shema. You could think about your loved ones. And as much as we love them, we try to develop our relationship with Hashem and Kal Yisrael. Amnam, if you see where it's highlighted, it was worth coming just for this, Howie. And maybe I taught this before. Let me explain now. When Yaakov came, and he saw that his son was a king, Look what happened to the kid who I thought was eaten up. Imagine if there's a mistake like that, what a parent would do today. They've been told their kid was killed. And then uh, the kid shows up. Okay, I mean, halavai, that's the way the world should work. Baba Libo Ahavaso, so he had ingrained in his heart tremendous love, Viraso and Oa, Shah Kadesh Barucho. That was just naturally where Yaakov directed it. That's where he moved his emotions. And he saw that his son was not just the king. Okay, Elvis was the king, but he's a manuvel. He saw that this man was the king and he was still acting like a, like a Jew. Okay, and by the way, look what he says over here. His midos, probably midos ben and midos machavera. Okay, the brothers may have not agreed at that point, but that's what uh, Yaakov saw, Baruch Hashem. Umishalim schar tov hasidim. And this is the midah of the chasidim. Now, the Maral lived in the uh, 16th and early 17th century, so he never met a chasid. I mean, when I mean a chasid of the Baal Shem Tov, I don't think he ever did. He's talking here about the pious ones. Like the Gemara says, what do they do? Asher yikare lehem tov, when something good happens to them, misdabakim, misdavakim, el ha-kadosh baruchu. They have what's called devekis with Hashem. It's a mitzvah according to the Torah. Ubo tidbak. We're supposed to redirect our direction, our emotions to Hashem. It doesn't mean you ignore the kid. Of all the good things that, that happen. Now, we all do this. Maybe sometimes we do it, we don't even realize that we're doing it, which is okay, but we should realize it. If you say, if you're at a simcha, or even if at, at, at a sad moment, you say, Baruch Hashem, I had the opportunity. God gave me this person in my life, right? God gave me this uh, great thing. You know, we're not talking here about the rangers. We're talking about real things in life, right? Wow. So we say it because we appreciate it. It's not just a formality, you know, the bar mitzvah speech. Guy gets up and he says, I want to thank my wife. He talks 20 minutes about how great his wife is to everybody. Do you ever say it to her privately? That's what I asked the guy. Plus, I know what she says about you. Okay, so with Hashem, it's a little bit different, but it's not just a throwaway line. Oh, I love Hashem, thank you to Hashem, because people are going to hear. Shema is the most private moment. We, Yaakov didn't know we are going to be talking about this in Teaneck, New Jersey. 
So in the most private moment, we have this connection to the Rebona Shalom. You take the love. It's not just Hakar Satov. It's that emotion, like, wow, the amazing feeling that I have of seeing what I never thought I would see, and I want to attach to that to my relationship with Hashem. So it's a high level, but you could bring it down a little bit. And that's what the Rambam does. The Rambam actually brings the, he, he's not reacting to the morale, but he explains it in a much more rational way. Hakari Kriyashima. When somebody says Kriyashima, now we're down to the Rambam, we're going to finish this. Kishahu Gomer Pasuk Rishon, Omer Belachash Baruch Shenkava Machsoyonveh. In the, in the Gemara, Sachim and the Medrash, a little bit of a different version. Rabbi Weil told me today that his Rabbi Rav Khan said the Rambam and the Medrash, they had a different girsa. But either way, that's a technical issue. What happened? So this is a Rambam. V'lam HaKorin came. Why do we add Baruch Shein Kavom It's as if we're saying what the Torah gave us, what Hashem gave to us, isn't good enough. The rabbis came up with Baruch Shein Kavom or Yaakov did. Why do we put it in the middle? You understand? Imagine about Mitzvah kids laning, and all of a sudden, in the middle of laning, he throws You'll throw him out, right? You, you get rid of him. But we do it every single day, twice a day. We're saying Shema, and instead of saying V'yahafta right away, we put a little hefsik in the middle. We put a break. So the Rambam says, because you have to look at the history of what does it mean to be a Jew. came At the moment, I'm going to say it outside, that Yaakov gathered his children around. He was doubtful. And he had good reason to be doubtful. Are you all on the same page? On his deathbed, that's what he was worried about. Not where they got their degree from, right now how much money he was giving them and that they were going to fight over. He wanted to go rest in peace. And the way he was going to rest in peace was finding out where they were. And as we saw in the Parsha, he gave them a bunch of commands. He didn't just say, okay, you guys check the box. He told them what he expects from them. That's what's called Jewish guilt. Even when the parents aren't here, we're supposed to be facing them. What does the mother expect? What does the father expect? That's this past week's parsha. So they all said, if you look three lines from the bottom, so his response, right, the, the old man responded, we say that respectfully, I myself, you see how it's similar to that area? I myself say, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, <clears throat> that we have something that's going to continue in this family and for the Jewish people. I just want to end very briefly. I could sum up everything, but it'll take too much time. Ramosha Feinstein asked an unbelievable slam dunk. Well, the answer is slam dunk, but he has such a great kasha. He says at the end of the day, what's going on? Hashem should have been so inspired by this Baruch Shem It should have been in the Shema. Like at the end of the day, it's in Yaakov's Kriya Shema. It's not in uh, Parshas Veschanim. So he says you have to look at the difference. And this is for us Jews living in Gullus. And we're all in Gullus, even in Eretz Yisrael, as we know today. We still have our enemies. When Moshe Rabbeinu was taught Shema Yisrael, they were living through miraculous times. They were in the desert. Now, we know they didn't act perfectly in the desert because people don't know how to react all the time to miracles. But there shouldn't have been any doubt in anyone's head. Do I believe in Hashem? Do I not believe in Hashem? I mean, God was popping up from all over the place. I mean, they were almost saturated with God. Maybe they couldn't even handle how much it was. So there was no need for doubt. Shema Yisrael is a declaration. It's a declaration that comes when you're living in a very precarious situation and you have reason to be doubtful, either because you're in a personal type of gullus, you're in a real gullus, physical gullus, the other one's even worse at times, and you're still able to say, and whoever hears such a thing gets inspired. When you hear a woman in captivity 
who gets out and says Shema Yisrael, because she's even remembering that moment, our response is Baruch Shenkva Machsoyon Ve'ed. Baruch Shenkva Machsoyon Ve'ed is a reflection, it's a reaction how faith inspires faith. When you see someone of faith going through a tough situation, and that's what the father appreciated. It's not so easy to grow up in Mitzrayim. Yaakov grew up in his parents' house. That wasn't even so easy either. So he responded to Baruch Shenkva Machsoyon Ve'ed. I think we yearn for a time that it's going to be a little bit easier, but we also should be inspired. And what the Rambam tells us is these ideas are actually supposed to go through our head when we say Shema. We should think back to Yaakov Avinu. We should think back to our parents. And we should be inspired by people who have faith and say, Now, you know, there's twice, there's once a year that we scream on Yom Kippur. You could understand why along these lines, because on Yom Kippur, we're, we're on a very high level. So we don't just say, we mamish, we scream it out.